Trust in chariots and some in horses. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, yeah. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, yeah. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Crooken Community Church. Today is Sunday, the 7th of November, um, and we're glad to have you. So today I have the pleasure of having my lovely mum with me, so you get Hello. a double dose of Damaris. Um, <laughs> and we are also very happy to have, see everyone. Um, so welcome to everyone here at church. We actually have quite a few people, so it's lovely to see all of you. Welcome to everyone on Zoom, on Facebook, on YouTube, or if you're catching up during the week as well on podcasts. So, mum? Yes, hello. It's a privilege to me to be here. Uh, I'm not very well speaking English, but uh, with my heart I'm here and I'm very happy to be with you. Um, I would like to ask if you are thankful for anything, anything that you are thankful for, uh, if you can uh, share with us. Uh, sometimes if you see uh, maybe we think that there is nothing to be thankful for. Um, we, you know, my life is so full of problems, and, but always there is something to be grateful because the Lord reigns and the Lord is our Father. So if you have anything, please comment and let us know so we can share with everyone. Amen. So now we are going to listen to Jackie and we are going to praise the Lord all together. Uh, hallelujah. Okay. Hi guys, how lovely to be here. Look, and when we were praying this morning, um, we were praying and, uh, and God had, uh, I just really felt that God was going to multiply the offering. The words were real specific and he was going to multiply the offering. And, how, who, and God loves a cheerful giver. So hands up, those, are you going to give him a cheerful offering? Okay, so he will multiply your cheerful, God loves a cheerful giving, a giver, it's not just, I'm sure it's our money, our tithing, but it's also our hearts, and we want him to multiply whatever offering we give him, and we're just like, let's stand and let's uh, praise, shall we stand? The rocks will cry out and the oceans will roar, mountains bow down to the name of the Lord, he is our God, praise is the highway. The rocks will cry out, the oceans will roar, the mountains bow down to the name of the Lord. He is our God, He will be praised. The idols, the idols will fall, the strongholds will break, every weapon that forms will shatter and fail. He is our God, He 
that again the rocks will cry out the rocks will cry out the oceans will roar the mountains will bow to the name of the lord he is our god he will be praised the idols will fall the strongholds will break every weapon that falls will shatter and fail he The church will awake, every anthem will drown, all other refrains, he is our song, he forever reigns. Sing that again, revival, revival will come, the church will awake, his anthem will drown, all other
so these are some of the things that we are grateful for. Uh, we have a new baby here now with us, and it's so nice to have a baby and newborn life. Uh, so thank you, the Lord, for this baby and for the parents that they are here. Um, thank you for the sunshine. Uh, today we have sunshine, so it's very nice to have. Um, and thank you for the, all the small things that we have in life. Shall we pray for that? Thank you, Lord, for this morning that the, your reign and you are so amazing, Lord. Uh, we bless your name in this morning and we ask that you can receive our gratefulness because you are a, such a good father, you are such a good Lord. And thank you for this new baby, Lord. We bless these babies and we ask that you can protect and give him a, a good life, Lord. Also, we bless your name for every little thing that we have every day, for the sunshine, for our bed, for our health, but because we can see there are so many small things that we are unaware sometimes, Lord, but we bless your name for everything. And we bless your name for being with us in this moment. Amen. Okay. So we've had a comment come through as well to be thankful for joy, and that's also something um, that is beautiful to be thankful for, isn't it? The joy that the Lord gives us and things that we can um, rejoice in. So uh, many of you might know that there's been a small event happening called the COP26, <laughs> which I'm sure uh, many of you know about, and it's been some controversy and it's been on the news quite a lot. Um, so it's quite an important topic, it challenges, so we have a video to show something about that as well. So that's a lot of figures and things that to think about, and it's really a challenge for us. 
Um, so it's interesting that despite all the information and things that are out there, there's quite a divide and controversy uh, between what we think about climate change. And it's actually a lot of divide between ages and what sort of older people, younger people think and how they feel about it. But also there tends to be quite a divide between sort of us Christians and churchgoers and, and the rest of the world as well. So um, it's interesting to think what our viewpoint and what our stand needs to be instead of what our responsibilities are. Um, and so we have another video to sort of discuss that and look a bit more into that today. Evangelical, so climate can't be changing because God's in control, not us. And even if it is, who cares? The world's gonna end anyways. That's what all evangelicals think, right? When we poll people in the United States about whether they think climate is changing because of humans, and if we ask how worried they are about it, it's true. There is one group that ends up at the bottom and that is white evangelicals. Only 28% of us say that humans are responsible. And curiously, only 45% of white Catholics also agree, compared to 77% of Hispanic Catholics. But don't they have the same Pope? It isn't being Catholic or evangelical that makes us doubt the science. It's something else. What is an evangelical anyways? There are as many definitions for us as there are books in the Bible, so I'm gonna go with one I got from a man named Leith Anderson. Leith is a pastor who's also the president of the National Association of Evangelicals in the United States, so he knows his stuff. And this is what he says. Evangelicals are people who take the Bible seriously. Our first clue came from the polls, and now for our second clue, we're gonna to go to the Bible. If evangelicals take it seriously, what does it have to say about climate change and all that kind of stuff? The first book and the first chapter is Genesis 1. It talks about how humans were made in the image of God. If you ever went to Sunday school, you probably heard that one. But then it tells us why. So that we humans could be responsible for every living thing on the planet. Now, some translations turn that into dominion over the earth. But even so, would we respect someone who had dominion over a company or a nation and ran it into the ground? Of course not. All of us respect wise stewardship when it comes to being in charge of something. And that's what Genesis is talking about. We are stewards or caretakers of the people, animals, plants, and all living things on this planet. Moving forward through the Bible, there's a lot of verses that speak of God's love and care for creation. But there are also a few verses that people pick out and apply out of context to support their point. For example, there's a verse that says there will always be seasons. So people say, well, how can global warming be real if there always will be winter and summer? Well, did you know that seasons are caused by the Earth's orbit around the sun? And humans aren't affecting that yet. So of course there will always be winter and summer here in the Northern Hemisphere. They'll just be warmer. Then there's the verse about how God will never destroy the earth again with a flood, and so people use that to say sea level isn't rising. First of all, it is. Thousands of gauges around the world are pretty clear on that. But second, even if all the ice sheets on earth melted, there would still be dry land left, just not nearly as much. And because so many of us live near the coastlines, it's estimated that about a third of us, that's two and a half billion people, live on land that would be underwater if the ice sheets melted. But that doesn't mean the earth will be entirely destroyed. So getting back to the main theme of the Bible, in the New Testament, 
We learned, for example, of people who had quit their jobs and were waiting around, sitting on their hands for the world to end and Christ to return. The Apostle Paul wrote to those people in the letter to the Thessalonians and in no uncertain terms told them to work with their hands, in other words, to support their family, and elsewhere to care for the widows and the orphans too. Whether we believe in the end of the world or not, we're not supposed to be sitting around waiting for it because most of all, throughout the entire Bible, we find verses about love for others, particularly those less fortunate than ourselves. And that, as everyone from Pope Francis to Leith Anderson reminds us, is why we care about a changing climate. Because it disproportionately affects the poor and the vulnerable, those who, if food prices double, can't afford to feed their families, if sea level rises, have nowhere to go, if water runs out, become refugees far from home. It's crystal clear from both the social science and from the Bible that our objections to the science of climate change have nothing to do with being religiously evangelical. They have everything to do with being politically evangelical. As Galen Carey, a former missionary and now the vice president of the National Association of Evangelicals says, many evangelicals oppose actions to slow climate change, not on a religious basis, but on a political one because they believe the government wants to take away their freedom. Bishop Ephraim Tendero is the Secretary General of the World Evangelical Alliance, representing 600 million people around the world. He was also an official member of the Philippine delegation to the Paris Climate Conference. And when one evangelical asked Bishop F why he cares about climate change, and then added, don't you read the scriptures? He replied, yes, I do read the scriptures, and that's why I care. This very interesting uh, that we are uh, stewards of this earth, no? We need to take care of what the Lord gave us. So I got a prayer here that I'm going to read it. So let's pray. You spoke into the silence, lies suffusing darkness. You spoke into the silence, blowing clean light, giving air into the space. You spoke into the silence, warm and cold infusing the air. You spoke into the silence, solid ground formed out of gushing water. You spoke voice carrying over the sound. People, plants, and animals came to life. You spoke each creation balance against the nest so life would be abundant and sustainable. You saw everything you had made and declared it to be very good. You spoke choosing to give us human stewardship over all that you had made. You speak and act. Darkness of pollution limits light levels and damages the air we breathe. We speak and act. Ground poisoned. Burn, strip bare. We speak and act. Spoiling, limiting, destroying quality of life and life itself. We speak and act without hearing your call over the noise of the world to be good stewards. You speak, you create, you want us to be stewards of your creation. We come to you to relearn how to care for the air and people you have made. Amen.
So now we have another video um, to show one more viewpoint as well. <laughs> are moved by faith. We hear God's call to creation care and see a world that's been neglected, a world that's on fire. And if we the church don't care enough to put it out, who will? We are in a climate emergency. Extreme weather conditions are destroying people's livelihoods. Natural disasters are leaving many without a place to call home. And people's lives are being lost. Those who contributed to this problem the least are suffering the most. We don't just care because it may one day affect us, we care because it's already affecting thousands around the world. And soon, we will pass a point of no return. If we sit back and do nothing, many more lives will be lost. To do nothing is to turn our backs to our God-given duty. It is up to us as those who are called to love our neighbor to do just that. How can we claim to love God if we do not care about His creation? How can we claim to love others when we are burning down their house? We, the church, must love in action and not just word. We must hear the cries of a world in peril and use our platform to respond with the love of Jesus. A love that disrupts the status quo and inconveniences itself to bring restoration. This is our responsibility. This is our worship. Wow, I think I find those videos really challenging. It's one from this last one, one part that really um, stuck out to me is that we care not because it will one day affect us, but because it's already affecting thousands mm -hmm. of people. Um, and then that's such an important thing, I think, for us as Christian and our calling to love our neighbor is realizing that it's not just our present and what we see, but it's also how much it's affecting people around the world, those that are in, in most need. Um, but also thinking sort of long-term about our children, grandchildren, um, and the future generations as well. So like the other videos say, we're stewards, we're caretakers of creation. So I think it's important to remember the role that we, we play within that, um, and especially as Christians, um, because we are in a relation with the Creator. We know Him and His character, so we know as well how He wants um, His creation to be taken care of. So we'll pass over to Jackie again. Okay. Thanks. Gosh, it's hard to know how to follow that with which song. I sort of like had everything in order, but I'm not sure. <laughs> so um, I, yeah, we need to be mindful. I sit and cry with my, my, my kids, like, you know, and um, about what's going on, isn't it? And it's hard to know where to put that. How do we affect change? How do we step into that place? And to be mindful and intentional about what we see around us, it's... Um, it's Yes, navigating that with intention in, in love. And um, so the song I'm going to go with now is I will worship with all of my heart. I will praise you. And my heart behind this is if we worship God, he will lead us in the intentional path that we have with each other and to his world that he's given us to love. 
Um, so if we worship him, we stay close to him and we catch his heart for, for people, for our world, for the, uh, as, as, the, as, as the world. And, and that includes its people and its, and its climate and its everything is the world because God loves the world, doesn't he? He loves the world. So my heart behind this song is not all about me, but I will worship. I will move forward to the heart of God, to, to a closeness with God, to catch his heart for how I can navigate these days with, with carrying God into, into everywhere I go, into every sphere of influence. So shall we stand? And with intentional state, I will worship. And it's a choice. It's a choice. I will worship with all, every part of me. So this an echo song, so I will worship. So you guys sing it back to me, okay? I love this. <laughs> I will worship with all of my heart. Praise you with all of my strength. I will seek you all of my days. I will follow all of your ways. lovely and actually while you were speaking about being intentional um, something that came to me was a passage from Romans 8 
Um, verse 19, and it just says, For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And that really relates creation to us as children of God. Um, and like you were saying, Jackie, just our intentional worship of God and taking care of his creation as well. Um, so we want to really know what the word of God says and dig deeper. Um, into it as well so that we can use that in our everyday life, not just as knowledge, but really as application in the way we live. So we are actually about to start a really exciting new series. Um, so we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke, um, and that's sort of what's next, but it's really sort of exciting role. So what do you think? Yes, I'm just waiting for that. <laughs> Uh, but first, we are going to introduce uh, the Bible reading, and this time we are going to have our lovely Mary reading the Bible. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Thank you, Jackie. I've just been told to make this sermon exciting, so... Okay, let's just close in prayer. Okay, now, it's good to see you all. Thank you all for joining uh, here in the church and obviously the guys watching online. And welcome, we're going to be looking at Luke's Gospel over the, um, for a while. And it's something that is actually quite exciting because I'm not sure about you, if someone gives you a new book and you look at it, um, I think that the general idea, and they say with the sermon as well, if it doesn't grab you in the first few lines then generally you don't get excited about it, really, do you? And the thing is, as Mary's just read to us a moment ago, the first few lines of Luke's gospel are pretty much... You know, they, they don't really say a lot about what's going to happen. But actually, there's a reason for that. Now, I know some of you are well into your history. Some of you are into local history, national history, British history, whatever it is. And I know some of you... Actually, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of looking everywhere in the camera. How many of you have done a DNA test? You know, Ancestry.com, something like that, to try and work out where you're from. Now, a few years ago, I actually bought one for Mrs. Gray, and Mrs. Gray had done this ancestry test. Now, for those of you who know Mrs. Gray, who will normally sit beside me on a Sunday morning, she is fiercely Welsh. I mean, fiercely Welsh. She will, she will take you down if you, you know, if you go against the Welsh flag. But actually, when Mrs. Gray had done the, the ancestry DNA test, it turns out she's probably more English than the rest of us. <laughs> And, uh, and actually, she's from West Chinnock, which is literally just up the road. How strange is that? And, uh, do you know, for, for me myself, sometimes, well, the, well, if the mood is right, I will pick up the odd history book. But when I read history, I tend to read it with a different reason. I love to look at the data. And sometimes I like to read some of the, the old war battles where you have 10,000 on the left and five people on the right or... There was one book I was reading, it was about a, a guy called uh, Paddy Maine, Blair Maine, who is from Northern Ireland, from my hometown, and he was one of the original members of the SAS. 
and uh, it tells you some of his accounts of where he went into Germany and he was able to blow up certain things during the war. And it was basically a drunken Blair main against a lot of people and he always seemed to come out relatively unscathed. But where am I going with this? Well, actually Luke's gospel, believe it or not, is going to apply a little bit of data and a little bit of science. Is there a reason for that? Well, as Mary just wrote out, uh, read out in the first few verses, Luke begins to talk about, he, he begins to say to, to a young man called Theophilus, and he says, and the, Theophilus actually means lover of God, so we're not actually sure if it's a person that he's talking to or actually just a series of people that he's talking to. But what he's doing is he's talking to you and he's talking to me. As I say, a good book in the first few lines will capture you. So when I read the first few lines of this gospel, I say, usually it would go in one ear out the other because it doesn't really say anything. There was one word that grabbed me and the word was investigate. Luke says, I have thoroughly investigated. In other words, he sought to prove what was right and what was wrong. Now, I know you, some of you here love a good investigation. Some of you, I don't know, you might be Miss Marple. Anyone like Miss Marple? Um, Inspector Morse. All right, the crowd here is absolutely riveting this morning. Uh, how about Poirot? Many of you f follow Poirot? Yes, okay, we've got a Poirot fan. Well done, Naomi. How many of you love Sherlock Holmes? You love a good Sherlock Holmes? Okay, a few of you love, love a good Sherlock Holmes. Okay, have a guess who my favorite investigator is. Solves every single crime he ever has in front of him. Yes, you've guessed it, it's Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is my favorite investigator, and he seems to do it all in a 10-minute cartoon. Well done, Scooby-Doo. But let me get you back to Luke's gospel. So let me tell you a little bit about Luke. Luke was a doctor, Dr. Luke. He's actually referred to as Dr. Luke in one of the, the books in the Bible. And um, Luke was not a Jew. Luke was actually a Gentile. And someone sent me in a question, or I've asked people to feed back on this. And somebody said, you know, Luke was a Gentile. Actually, it's a little bit more than that. Do you know the, it's likely that the only book written in the whole of the New Testament by a Gentile is actually Luke. And when I say Luke, it was Luke and Acts. He wrote both of those books and he wrote them as a series. It's one, one long book. And it's the only book written by a Gentile. And you think, well, why is that significant? Why is that important? Well, guys, you, those of you who are watching me today, it is likely that we come under the category of Gentiles. Because sometimes when we read something, we, we read it, Matthew, Mark, and John reads all very Jewish. All the background is very, very Jewish. But Luke seeks to do something a little bit different. For example, he'll use a little bit different language. In Matthew and Mark, they may use the word rabbi, where Luke thinks, I'm not sure the people in front of me are going to understand what rabbi means. So he changes it to the word teacher. Matthew, and Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark, and John might use the word scribe. Again, Luke says, yeah, I'm not so sure they will understand that. So instead, he uses the word lawyer. So Luke's gospel is written for you, and it is written for me. So it's a really good gospel for us to look at. Excuse the pun. It's a really good gospel for us to study. Why? Because it's going to be speaking to us. Luke was a follower of um, Paul. Luke did not actually see Jesus. Does that surprise you? One of the most important books you're reading in the Gospels and the author did not actually see Jesus Christ. Luke himself, they reckon he came in through Paul's second missionary journey. He followed Paul. He must have been listening to Paul thinking, what's this guy going on about? What is, what's so 
I tell you what, it's more than exciting. I actually want to check this out. And Luke being a doctor and Luke and being into science and, and history at the time, he decided to make this all possible for you and for me. So as we journey through Luke's gospel together over, over the, well, the next series, the next few weeks, we will suddenly be looking at stuff and thinking, actually get excited about this. Because Luke, when he writes stuff, he actually tells you, get excited. So when he talks about the miracles, in Matthew, Mark, and John, they talk about the miracle where Luke Luke begins to say, everyone was in amazement. In other words, he's writing to people who didn't know Jesus. He's writing to you, and he's writing to me, and he's beginning to explain, guys, get excited about this. All of us will read um, the book of Acts and say, wow, what an incredible story. But actually, at the beginning of Acts, Luke says exactly the same thing as he did at the beginning of Luke. I'm writing this to you for a reason. Get excited. Because if he's going to explain to you Jesus Christ, he wants you to know that this Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He wants you to get excited about what's happening. So Luke will use language that is really, really simple for you and me. So here's your starter for 10. You've become a Christian. Actually, no, let's, let's, let's leave the Christian bit for a moment. Luke's gospel was written about 28 years after Jesus died, all right? So subtract 28 years from your age today, okay? There's a lot of worrying of brains going on here this morning. Subtract 28 years from your age and try and explain what happened. So for me, what happened when I was 23 years of age? If I had to explain to my son, when I was 23, I'd done this, what would I do? How would I do that? I would have to go back into history. I would ask my mum, I would ask my dad, I would ask my mates, I would ask my sister. I would look at the newspapers that were around at the time for all the things that were written. In other words, get out there and find what it is. So your starter for 10, go and describe your birthday to someone that's never known you before. Because that's the next passage. We talk about the birth of John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus. So Luke had to go and find out how someone was born. It's lovely to have little baby Jacob Anthony. Yeah, little baby Jacob Anthony here this morning. I'm sure if we went to to Craig and Laura and said, tell me how he was born, it would be pretty much out there simply because he's just been born. But what about the rest of you? Go and describe to someone how you were born. Go and find out your history. And welcome to the book of Luke, the man who's going to blow your mind with simple terminology. Bless you. Are you excited? Oh, for goodness sake. It's going, to be a short, it's going to be a short series then, isn't it? It's going to be a short series. Yeah. Bless you. Thank you. Jackie. Yes, you're up next. That's all right. I'm just looking at the notes. Thank you, Jackie. Follow that. Yeah. Well, that was exciting. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. So next time she puts on that hat, just going to say. Fake news. (laughs) Was it 23 years, did you say? Yeah, well, it's about 28 28 years difference between Jesus dying and Luke's gospel being written. Oh, bless them. Simon just whispered, he said, I got saved 28 years ago, so hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) It's something to be grateful for. (laughs) It is, amen. Well, opinions vary. (laughs) (laughs) No, sorry, no. <laughs> oh, it's great, isn't it, to be back in church? I think um, I'm just going to sing, Oh, Praise the Name, Anastasis. Every verse speaks of 
our history, our journey, our belief system, our, our what we believe. And I just love putting our stall out there. Don't you just love just singing the gospel? So let's stand up. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands and feet. And we'll investigate. I love that. That's a, <laughs> it's a lovely scripture. Should we stand? If you can. <laughs> I cast. Oh, I'm going to set wrong key. Ha. <laughs> oh. Do you just love live? <laughs> it goes really low in the verses and really high in the chorus. <laughs> okay. Right. In E. <laughs> I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound, his body bound, and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Praise the name. break of dawn the sun of heaven rose again oh trample death where is your sting the angels roar for Christ the King sing that again then on the third at break of dawn the sun Jesus face. Too good to just sing once. 
he shall return in robes of Jesus' face. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. Praise Oh, yes. Oh, we were on. Oh, sorry. Oh. We've already oh, started please. investigating. Um, yes. So we got really into this and yeah, yeah, excited yes. about it. Oh. Um, so, yeah. We are so excited. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to show some excitement. <laughs> um, no, so we hope that you are actually excited. Um, it's quite interesting, and there's a lot to look at in Luke's Gospel. So we hope you enjoyed today. And obviously, we hope that you tune in for the rest of the series as well. Yes. Um, so we just hope you have a blessed week. Um, yes. And yeah, tune in next time. Yes, and we also encourage you uh, to start reading the book of Luke. Yes, So definitely. we can be in the same page, no? Start doing some investigating of yourself as well. Yes. And we decided we don't know a lot of people that rode around on chariots. So we said, wait, what does this first look like today? And here's what we came up with. Some trust in money. And some in fame. Some trust in money. And some in fame. Oh, yeah. Some trust in money, and some in fame. Some trust in money, and some in fame, oh yeah. All right, you guys, but what about us? Hey, we trust in the name of the Lord.